So fear is a tormentor. And to me, people who suffer from anxiety at any level is generally, you know, it, it can be a chemical imbalance or it can be environmentally or it can be grooves in your brain of things you've heard since you were a kid. And, and I was consumed with fear. I understand anxiety. I understand panic attacks. Um, but it's a tormentor, so it robs you of your energy. Um, the, the, the organ that uses the most energy in the body is the brain. So the battlefield's in the brain. Our thought lives, that's where the fear, this was where it starts to all manifest. Do a simple internet search on fear or anxiety and you'll find pages of websites dedicated to those topics. They may range from simple phobias to general anxiety symptoms. Studies have found that over one in five Americans medicate for anxiety. It's a great struggle in many people's lives. Fear strikes and then we may feel guilty for feeling afraid and then the spiral into anxiety just deepens. Luckily, though, we have a Savior who understands being afraid. Before his crucifixion, Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and, as Scripture tells us, was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell like blood. Our God does not abandon us to fear. He promises us peace and a sound mind. In this episode of the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, Victor Marks joins us once again to discuss how God has overcome great fears in Victor's life and given him the strength to walk into places few would willingly go. Now here's our host, Bob Dimmer. Thanks for joining us for another Gary Wilkerson podcast. And this week we have a return guest, Victor Marks with All Things Possible Ministry. If you missed our first episode with Victor, you're going to want to go back and watch it on our YouTube channel or listen to it on our website. And you can see where to find those programs on the screen. Victor has powerful stories of transforming lives in some of the most difficult places on earth. And Victor, that's where I'd like to pick up on that theme as we begin today's podcast. Uh, you were telling us when you were last here that uh, you gave your son some advice about overcoming the fear of living in the Middle East in a very dangerous place. So you have seen firsthand the devastation caused in those places by ISIS in particular, yet you keep going back. But you don't just go back, you also forgive those folks. How do you do that? Well, I believe in forgiveness and justice. So I believe forgiveness is giving up our right to hurt someone back for hurting us on a personal level, right? Um, but yet, I believe in justice. So, uh, for instance, uh, I met with the senior leader, 12,000 mosques under his control, 300 million Muslims as a thought leader. And people people here in the U.S., think tanks, State Department, they didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, how did you do this? And I said, God. God opened the door. So I met with him, and then, you know, the first question I asked him is, do you want to cut my head off? And my my interpreter was going, don't, no, no, don't, don't ask him. I said, I'm going to ask him for all Americans. Wow. Because he was the gentleman who trained al-Baghdadi, the ISIS leader, in Islamic law. So I'm saying, hey. And he leaned back, and he actually laughed. He said, why, why would I want to do that? And I said, well, why do you want to meet with me? Because he's the one that you know, and he said, "You're a man of the book, and we've watched you for a couple of years reach our Muslim children. So I wanted to meet you. And this 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 whole idea of forgiveness, it's a concept not many Muslims have in their ideology and think tank. Um, and for him, he actually took me to a place. And here's 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 where I'm getting. Uh, I went with him to a mosque that night. I'd never been to a mosque in Iraq, a huge mosque. But because I did that, 
he took me to an abandoned place, a little abandoned church, that had Christians that had fled Karagosh. ISIS had attacked it. And these families were hiding out and living in there under the worst conditions. Mm. He walks me into this place because he knew where they were. Mm. And he goes, you're a Christian. These are your people. Mm. Help them because this is wrong. Even this high-level imam was saying, in the humanitarian sense, it's wrong. So I met them. I got them all together. And I said, we're going to get you all out of Iraq. Uh, and me, with great help of friends and layers of friends and even supporters, we got all those families out of Iraq in a safe place. And we still have them in a safe place, and uh, so please pray about that. But you know what I told them? I got them on and I said, hey, I just want to tell you all, you need to forgive ISIS. And they were like, you're out of your ever-living mind. I said, well, Jesus commanded us to forgive our enemies. They're like, well, no, look. I said, now, if an ISIS team came in here, my guys would shoot them dead. We would not let them hurt y'all. They were like, oh. <laughs> I said, forgiveness and justice, can, they can work together. Mm-hmm. But you wanting to go and find them and kill people, that, that's not God's will. You have to forgive. I said, not only for, 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 to obey the Scripture, but for your own heart. So forgiveness is giving up our right. And trusting God, he'll take care of it. And I saw it firsthand. Their lives changed. And even me, when I was faced with ISIS fighters, being I've been shot at, mortared. The, I mean, one day I counted 40 mortars. They were trying to kill us. Who we were embedded with moving toward and because and, uh, we were liberating villages. I mean, ISIS had been there for three years, and now we're hitting it, right? And... An ISIS commander had been captured, and what I'd seen, what I know, uh, what they've done to kids and women, it's beyond people's. There's not a there's not a horror movie that could depict what's been done. It's straight from the pit of hell, and I remember this ISIS commander is sitting in front of me, hands tied behind his back. And I got a pistol. I, I could have put one in his tea box and made him just smoke him right there. But you know what I felt? I felt the presence of God and God's love for this guy. Mm. I spent an hour with him talking to him about his family, his faith, asking him why he joined ISIS. He let me pray for him. Mm. He let me pray for his family. And then I said, you know you're going to die because where we were and all that, that you know, death was imminent mm. with the Iraqis. And I said, uh, I forgive you. You're trying to kill me. I said, uh, God loves you, and you can be forgiven and actually go to heaven. And it was a concept that was blowing his mind. So I started praying with him. But when I got to the point of saying, in Jesus' name, he stopped. His face contorted into a very demonic-looking deal. Even guys around me were going, oh, my gosh. And then he broke out of his hand ties that were behind his back. He's sitting down. Broke out of his hand ties. My dog, Scout, keyed up, was going to hit him. Everybody, you know, guns. I said, wait, 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 wait. They grabbed him, tied him up again. And then I just said, hey, you know you're going to die. Remember, before you do, you can still call out to Jesus like the thief on the cross. He will forgive you. And people listening to this is hard. But the reality is my security guy who was Muslim, 
He goes, boss, I'm very sorry. I was going to pull the gun to shoot him in the face. <laughs> but I wait, because you wait. say such a nice thing to him. I wait. Wow. Yeah, I said, thanks. Thanks for uh, not shooting him while I'm praying for him. For You're going to die. Uh, yeah. and that guy's got a gun pointed at you. <laughs> Do you think, Victor, The um, I'm just kind of tracking here a little bit with your whole story that you've been telling us today. <clears throat> so as a, as a boy, yeah. you, you were in a, a situation that's undescribably horrible. Uh, and and there's some there's some elements of forgiveness that the Holy Spirit's worked you through, and now now you're now, now you're going to these places around the world where forgiveness is probably, you know, na- nationally at least anyway, between America and and the Middle East, it's very difficult for us to forgive each other culturally, religious wise, uh, so governments, governments, all that yeah. stuff. I'm kind of forming a question here, so hold on. Um, do you correlate anything God may have? Allowed because you know a lot of people ask questions like why are you allowing this why why did you allow a little boy like Victor to, to go through such pain as a child you know why didn't you pull him out of there right risk is there any correlation between what you're called to do now and what you went through at all very great question and and yeah a hundred percent and I, I really like the way you use the term allowed because see people people will ask me why did God cause this for a child I said whoa wait wait. It, it, you know, or why does if God's so loving, why does it, you know, cause children to be shot by ISIS? I go, causing and allowing are two different right, things. Exactly. He allows men the free will to do what they want, and many choose evil. Yeah. So, me as a child growing up, the evil that was done, and I got to a place where I had to learn that God didn't like formulate this like, okay, I want this bad to happen to you so you can do good. Gotcha. What He is is a redeemer. He redeems what the evil one means for bad and turns it for good. And for me, I look at my whole life, I I believe what we're doing today is preparatory for stuff that's going to happen tomorrow, next week, or next month. Truly, there are people listening right now. They're hearing this message. They're watching it, and it's preparatory for something that they'll need next week, next month, next year. So I see God's hand in it. I see how he has redeemed my past, and I, I'll give you – I've not told anybody this publicly. I was just in another country, and um, I pray for people. I, I like praying for people, right? And this man came to me at a an event, and he's, he was shaking. He was physically shaking, and he sat down, and I said, hey, you're Okay. And uh, he was so sketchy. I had, to, I had to get my dog out of the room. And I was like, he goes, I'm afraid you're going to kill me. I said, well, do I need to? You know, <laughs> to, to, tell me why. <laughs> we can agree or disagree. Um, he goes, I was in prison for many, many years, many years, for doing to children what was done to you. And he goes, but I heard you were coming here, and I need you to pray for me. But I'm afraid you guys said, well, I said, God's already forgiven you. You did your time, and I don't think God will be glorified for me snapping your neck right here. So why don't I pray for you? I prayed for him, and he had demonic activity on his life so severe. It, I mean, he started shaking and all this type of stuff. And I don't like dramatic demonic prayers. I, I don't. I just like quickly, boom, boom, done. But he, and then, so I asked him. He got free. He hugged me. But I said, you went to prison for molesting kids? He goes, yep. I said, and I never ask people this. 
I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I asked him, I was like, oh, I said, how many kids did you molest? And it ended up being in the thousands. He was a serial molester Mm. that wasn't caught for years. And he told me how he did it, and I won't repeat it, Mm. but it was only evil could come up with this type of plan. And do you know what? Uh, It was never about sexuality for him touching kids and all this type of stuff, it was loneliness. As a child, he was abandoned by his parents, lived with his grandparents. His grandfather beat him with a tool, and no kids ever accepted him in school. He was an outcast. He was so lonely. And so the devil's very clever, right? Come and twist this guy. After all this, he hugged me, he cried, and I said, praise the Lord, man. This brings glory to God. You know, Gary just wrote a book titled God's Favor, and as I hear your story, was there a time after you came to know Christ that you thought, I'm never going to enjoy God's favor given everything I have been through? Completely. Uh, I would say times, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple ups and downs, and I, you know, I, I had a good launch in the beginning, and then kind of hit a, uh, and, you know, because God was trying to transform me and bring me through the sanctification process. And sometimes when he does it, you feel like you're out in the desert. You're not, you know, things are things you can't see happening. It's almost like being in a boat. The sail goes limp. You ain't moving. You think you're not. But there's an undercurrent of God doing stuff, and he's moving you. You just don't know because there's no point of reference. There's no land. There. You're just going, I'm going to die out here. And I'll never forget a friend of mine who came out to speak. I was in Hawaii at the time. He came out to speak, and he goes, uh, uh, his name is Greg Laurie. Some people may know him. And uh, he goes, so, Victor, are you, are you teaching, preaching, you sharing? I said, oh, no, no, none of that. He goes, well, maybe it's time. And it felt like the voice of God. And really, God was saying, now I'm going to bring you out of this season. of uh, it, My favor never stopped. The underturn never stopped. But now you're about to see a nice island you get to roll up on and eat some coconuts. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then it goes back to fear, too. You know, like you, I, I'd love for you to comment a little bit more on on, on fear because um, you were talking about your son. Yeah. You know, uh, so you're in some difficult situations. People find themselves – you know, you don't have to be an ex-military and go no. to these places to experience fear in your daily oh, no. life. Some people are afraid they're going to get fired. Some people are afraid their spouse is going to leave them. Some people are afraid their kids aren't going to grow up in a – uh, to, you know, to, to be fruitful and, and what God wants them right. to be. So where, so where does that fear come from, and how can you give us some advice on how to help people overcome that? So fear is a tormentor. And to me, people who suffer from anxiety at either level is generally, you know, it, it can be a chemical imbalance or it can be environmentally or it can be grooves in your brain of things you've heard since you were a kid. And And I was consumed with fear. I understand anxiety. I understand panic attacks. Um, but it's a tormentor, so it robs you of your energy. Um, the, the, the organ that uses the most energy in the body is the brain. So the battlefield's in the brain. Mm-hmm. Our thought lives, that's where the fear, this was where it starts to all manifest. And, and I had a lot of reason to be fearful. Mm-hmm. And um, if I wasn't fearful about myself, then I'd be fearful for others. I would worry. It zapped me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people can even be fear of succeeding. Mm. 
oh, I can't succeed because if I did, then I could. It's too much pressure, right? So I would say this. There's one scripture that has helped me so much. And I'm, I mean, I'm practical. If you, if a person needs medication, take medication. Um, uh, If you need counseling, get counseling, work through things. But the scripture, the word of God and worship has done more for me. So here's my own personal little deal is 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me, Victor, a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I've had to I've had to say that like, you know, a chant. Mm-hmm. I say it till I get it, get it, get it, get it. And then uh, you know, I have one song by an old uh, not old, but uh Christian musician named Bob Fitz. Yeah. And he's got a song that I will not be afraid. That's all he keeps singing. I will not be afraid. I put my headphones on, I've played that song. 50 times while I sleep mm-hmm. to allow me to sleep because it's almost like a buffer, yeah. the cone of silence, uh, where these, so these negative yeah. thoughts are getting to me, right? And the song is – my wife wrote a song called uh, When I Am Afraid, I Will Trust in God. And that's what the whole song is that – and she used to sing it to our kids. And I, I would come into the room like – yeah, you need to sing that for those little kids. And I'm going, like, please sing it to me. No, you know, right. my, my own heart needed it. And, yeah. and even today, I, I sing that all the time when experiences happen. That's, I will trust in God. C- completely. And and people, sometimes people think that, you know, uh, fear will dissipate and go away and uh, you won't have any issues. The the more you grow in ministry or, you know, your marine, it's like, well, no, because there are future challenges that happen all the time. I typically will get spun up before I deploy out over where I'm supposed to go. Restless nights, and then even when I come back, because I'm processing. So we take very practical approaches because we know, in general, overall, the enemy is the one who whispers all these lies. And if you believe the lies long enough, they'll become your truth. And that's when sometimes I think people just need to be prayed for. Mm. We have an approach to prayer. It's called retooling. Uh, it, we wanted to name it something that was so unchristian. Yeah, good. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a retooling prayer. We sit down with the person and just say, hey, uh, do you want to find out if you have any demonic assignments against you? You're not possessed, but any oppressive spirits that actually are assigned to you. Uh, just like when I go into countries, certain countries, there are intel guys that are assigned to me, good and bad, that follow me, track with me, you know, they're watching my every move, they're reporting and stuff. So, the demonic world is no different. So I just say, hey, well, let, me, let me find out. I pray it takes me 10 minutes. And we find out if there's anything. If there is, guess what? We send it to the footstool of Jesus Christ to be perfectly judged. And uh, the person gets free, and they recognize, oh, well, those were lies. Oh, my gosh, those are lies. We've seen people who are cutters, drug addicts, serial cheaters uh, that get free. Uh, Christians in ministry that struggled with just fears they would never tell anybody. But when you bring light into darkness, boom, it, 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 a person gets free. And then you walk in that freedom with the truth of Scripture and prayer. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Do you think – would you agree with me that some fear – this going to sound strange when I first say it, so hold on a second. Some fear is good. So you're, you're military. If, if um, you see – 400 ISIS guys coming at you with machine guns and there's three of you, yeah. there, there's kind of a good fear that kicks in and you know, okay, evac or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
but but if you if it's one guy coming at you and your mind starts going like I think there might be 400 I'm getting out of here and it's just one so that right. for me that's the difference between like a healthy fear that God's given us Total. and 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 the other type of uh, uh, fear and so the the what brings on that unhealthy fear where you know you know so for me like a few years back one of my sons said hey I'm having some marriage difficulty that night I went to bed I'm going like he's going to get a divorce right. the, ki- the four kids are going to grow up and and just they're going to be drug addicts and they're gonna, you know my mind yep. went crazy. Oh yeah. So that, that's not the, the Lord didn't give me that, but how how did I end up with that? Yeah. Uh, again, it, it's like a scripture I shared today out of Second Corinthians, was it chapter ten? Uh, that we're called to take every thought captive. Mm. The battlefield is in the mind. So uh, uh, I love my wife. Uh, I bet her thirty years. You know, but <laughs> but she she she's just this like female sage that walks around. And she can tell when I'm not doing well, when I'm not taking thought captives. Mm-hmm. It's like because we we actually we have fought so much physically, martial arts, and all. It's like watching me getting hammered. So she look at me and go, "Hey, are you negotiating with the devil?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." Damn. You know, uh, like there was a time a while back, devil kept telling me, "You need to shoot yourself. You just need to go in your jeep and pop around through mm-hmm. your cap." And be done with all this, and I'm going. Well, uh, that one is going to mess up my Jeep. <laughs> you know, two. How's that going to make things better? Yeah. See, I'm negotiating with them, right? Yeah. So I literally start saying, "Well, can I just shoot myself in the shoulder or thigh? Can well, I mean, what point are we trying to make?" And then you know, my wife's like, "What are you doing? Oh, oh, I'm just, so." But a lot of Christians go through that. Yeah. These thoughts. So take the thought captive. Recognize it. Where is this coming from? Then resist it, right? We submit ourselves to God. But my wife says, we have to have a reverential fear of God Almighty. That's where it starts to know mm. God. He's so capable and he loves us, yet he's not the Santa Claus. He can destroy any demonic forces. He can he can keep any weapon from prospering against us. And and uh, so it's trusting and believing him in his word. Uh, so take the thought captive, resist the enemy, and then it says he'll flee. So um, it, it really, it really, I mean, can you imagine, the listeners, or those watching, can you imagine if you, if you had a clipboard and just for six hours you wake up from 9 a.m. to 3, you're going to write down every thought that comes to your mind, no matter what, just every thought, you're going to, can you imagine what that would look like after six hours? You go, good Lord, that's crazy making right there. But you could strike off and go, that's from the wicked one. That's from the because I don't even like that thought. Those torment me. That I, you know, and and uh, the discipline that Christians need. I think in this generation and moving forward, because the Bible is very clear, uh, demonic activity would increase in the end days, and you know, um, and. And it is in days for us, whether he comes back to get us or whether my wrinkles say otherwise, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just believe it is a healthy discipline to fight fear to go, wait a minute. And you counter the thoughts with Scripture. Yeah. So when I think, oh, I go, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Or, you know, this, 
or you know, before I'm going over to Iraq and I know I'm going to a bad place or different countries, it's like, oh, you're gonna, you know, you don't think the enemy comes and warms me up about three a.m. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, wake up, listen, right. let me tell you what's gonna happen. You know, you're gonna be <laughs> captured, well. killed. I, I give you a great example. A great example. My wife and I, we were supposed to meet a very prominent man from Tunisia, the country that has one of the highest rates of ISIS recruitment, Boko Haram, right? And um, he's a very influential man there that cares for his country. He says, I'll fly to Paris. I'll meet you on Paris. My wife's double-nickel birthday. I said, hey, you want to go to Paris? I'm going to kiss you underneath that big old tower, girl. <laughs> She's like, sure. So we're getting ready to go. We get a call. He can't go. To, he can't go. I'm like, ugh. But they're asking us to go to Tunisia. And I'm like, what? So I ask her. She goes, let's pray. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to go to Tunisia. Yeah. It's a bad area. She goes, I think the Lord's in this. Wow. One door shuts, the other one open. I said, we don't have backup. We can't carry weapons. It's just, so I bring one friend who's a former Delta Intel guy. I said, you in? He goes, I'm in. They pick us up at the airport. We literally have to do – this is some secret stuff. You know, you take a picture of the license plate, the guy who's driving you. You send it to someone. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you do things to go, hey, let's minimize because if we get wrapped up or kidnapped, uh, we, we, want, we want to be rescued. So we're driving, and we're supposed to go to this guy's big mansion. You know, he's a wealthy guy. Ninety minutes later, we're not nowhere except off-road heading in the mountains area. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a truck stops. You don't think fear is starting to grip us? And we just finished a short film on being captured by ISIS. Right. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it was prophetic. Wow. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I prophet. Oh, my gosh. And this truck pulls up, two guys with weapons. Uh, and, and my buddy, the Delta guy, you know, he later told me, he goes, I was just going to snap our driver's neck, push him out, and take control. I was like, good, because I think my wife was going to do it first. <laughs> and, uh, and we go, Lord. We're obeying you regardless of the consequences. You told us to come here. So if this is our lot, then it's on you, not us. Because mm. then a lot of saints in the Bible, old and new, isn't that what happened? That's right. Shadrach, Meshach, Benigo, then they do a little barbecue or something. <laughs> it, it, that's real Christian living. So we said, okay, Lord, thank God we found out that that was our escort to get us to this private compound mm. with the guy. Best meetings Got to meet Muammar Gaddafi's imam, yeah, who I was able to share my testimony with. And he's awesome. like, he, so cool. he was asking me, why don't you speak more Arabic? Uh, I go, I barely speak English. <laughs> he was Oxford trained. I was like, oh, your English is better than mine. So the fear went away. But you're faced with it first. But if it's not real, and even in real danger, it's happening. You know what I always say? May the name of the Lord be praised. Good. If I'm overwhelmed with goodness, may the name of the Lord be praised. If I think this could turn really sideways, may the name of the Lord be praised. I follow him. It's not on me. Wow. That's powerful. I love it. Love what you're saying. Seems like just to recap a little bit, the some fear is okay because it'll yes. it'll be healthy. Yep. When when you recognize it's either a, a fleshly, carnal or demonic fear, you take it under authority. I love what your wife said too. I I've never heard that, but that adds an element to me that I think that I'm gonna incorporate. 
because if you're saying the fear of the Lord, that, that there, there's, there's, there's something stronger than you. So you're not just sort of on equal ground, equal footing. Like right. it's just my mind trying to control my mind. You know, somebody without Jesus can do that. Right. Or it's not just me taking it captive in the sense I'm taking it captive because there's, there's something, there's something more oh, bigger yeah. than me. That that brings a whole new element to it that I think could really help a lot of us to, to, because I think a lot of us are saying like, okay, he hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but why do I, why do I spend hours a day in fear? Or right. you know, and, right. and to, I think for a lot of people to hear that somebody like with your background, all that you've been through, and what you're capable of doing as a man of God, and still you're having oh, yeah. to take thoughts captive. That's encouraging for us every but, you know, day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good, and uh, you know, and forgiveness too. Then, you know, where people bring the evil one against you, and uh, you 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 forgive them. You forgave your father, you've forgiven people that have shot children. That's that's incredible, man. So before we let you get out of here, Victor, we've got uh, this lamb sitting here, uh, this stuffed animal sitting here on, on the table. What is that all about? And you get and your dog is outside the door, so yeah. we've we got lots here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a specially trained lamb that you can turn on and wah, 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 it just, martial arts lamb in a clear room. Yeah. No, it's uh, uh, we we developed these lambs and lions for boys and girls who've been affected by ISIS, and there's a special. Uh, musical composition developed specifically to lower anxiety in children. And then it has prayers, mm-hmm. uh, scripturally based prayers that are in Arabic, whatever language that we need them in. And and um, we hand these out. Oh, and just today I have pictures of, uh, uh, I'll show you, uh, people go to our Facebook page and see them or post them. A little child that's holding one, it just happened today in Syria. The child and his mom ran out of the last stronghold of ISIS. They're ISIS, the mom and him. He would be considered a cub of the caliphate, the next wave. Mm. And this little kid who's hard is actually smiling, holding it, listening to the prayers. So this is what God has given us, and we want people to help us get these out there. So uh, you literally can support by getting a lion or lamb into the hands of a kid in some of the darkest places who need it the most to be both comforted and ministered to. They do that through your Facebook and website yep, as well? they go to victormarks.com. Victormarks.com. And then uh, that, that's powerful. I and mean, what, what does it say? Well, is, it, mixed, is it working now or not? Uh, I, don't, I don't think Probably we, no batteries yeah, or something I don't think like we have okay. the battery in it now. But okay. well, the, once you imitate it, can you, can you do the voice? Yeah. Like, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> what's interesting, we have uh, in the, the English version are our children saying the prayers. Aww. So it comforts the children. Yeah. And then uh, we have women in Arabic languages like a mother for, mm. because there's so many orphans. Yeah. So what's interesting, is these kids will play this at night in the tent, and everybody hears it. Wow. And uh, the adults want we, them, but we don't have enough. We're how, like, how many have you given away already? 30. Yeah, probably about thirty-two thousand. Thirty-two thousand. Yeah, wow. so in I mean, over. hot spots. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's very cool. And you, and how many more would you have a capacity of giving away a few? You know, quarter of a million. Could? Oh wow. We yeah. we we could do a quarter of a million in the next twenty-four months. So if somebody wanted, do you have like a cost per unit? Like if somebody wanted to give like ten away or whatever. Or yes. Yeah. yeah. They can come in and boom. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, we're going to okay. launch a campaign that's going to help us do it less expensive okay good yeah the greatest expense is just the risk of our teams being out there Uh, okay yeah Yeah. well victor thank you for coming i'll tell you you the stories of fear and forgiveness it's not just uh something that happens in isis controlled lands in the middle east but we deal with it here too don't we here in the united states so thank you for those messages and uh 
VictorMarks.com is your website. Yeah, People can see about your lamb and and uh, and also find out more about your ministry. I was looking at it, some great videos you've got on there and all of the work that you're doing. So thank you for all of it, and thank you for taking time to speak to our staff and come to talk to our audience. Too. What a privilege. Thanks for World Challenge for partnering with us. You guys have been a huge source of encouragement to us when we're out there. Awesome. And uh, y'all are the real deal. So hallelujah. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you very much. God bless you. You've been listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. God calls us to live out His love to the world, sometimes offering this love to the people who frighten us the most. He never leaves us without resources to obey this call, however. The Holy Spirit and God's Word are our most powerful allies against the darkness that comes against us. If this topic has stirred something in your soul and you'd like to learn more, let me suggest you pick up Gary's latest book titled God's Favor. In it, he paints a more biblical picture of God's favor, revealing how our loving Father never leaves us alone, even if we aren't aware of His presence. God may also call us to do things that frighten us, but He won't abandon us to obey His calling on our own. To see more on this discussion of God's grace and goodness in your life, you can order a copy of God's favor on the World Challenge website, worldchallenge.org. Next week, can you imagine being in a plane that suddenly stalls mid-flight and then begins spinning out of control to the ground? Next week on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast, a plane crash survivor shares his incredible testimony of how God's hand saved him. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Video production by Aaron Gale. Sound designed by Mike Hall-Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. And our producer is Chris Wigington. We hope to see you next time on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.